Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Hello everybody and welcome to our online service. Such a blessing and a privilege to share the word today. And uh, let us take a moment to pray as we get started. Father, hallelujah Lord, we're so thankful for this privilege. We're so thankful that we're able to join together as families. Although we're, although we're spread out, we thank you Lord that you, we are one in Christ. We thank you Lord that we have the same spirit. And we thank you Lord that you are with us. Thank you for your presence this morning, Lord. Thank you, this day. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us, Lord. And as we share around your word, as we dig into your word, Holy Spirit, we welcome you as our teacher. We ask, Lord, we humbly come. We ask that you would come and transform us, that you would mold us, that you would make us, that you would truly make us more like Christ, Lord. We ask more than anything else that in this time together, that your name will be glorified in our midst, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We set aside our worries and stresses for these, for this time that we consecrate to you, and we, we trust you with those things, and we say, Lord, come and have your way in our midst, and be glorified, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. What a blessing to share with you guys. Um, and I'm going to continue a little bit on what I shared two weeks ago. But I want to also encourage you, if you missed out on last week's message, I believe that is a really important message, uh, and it's a really timely one as well. So I want to encourage you, if you missed out on that one, that's the blessing about having these recorded. Go and look it up and go and find that message that Pastor Philip preached last week. Uh, it will be a blessing to you. Today, so I'm continuing a little bit, so I want to just I do a very quick recap from last time. We spoke about what it would look like. If the kingdom of God would really come in our thought life, what would it look like if, if Jesus would reign as Lord in my thought life and your thought life? So, not just only you know, thinking, yes, let the kingdom come, but what would it look like if He would reign, if He would be Lord over all my thoughts and all my deepest emotions and all the things that are going on in the inside, if He would truly be Lord and King in that area of my life, what would that look like? And I want to ask this question for my, to myself as well. What would change if Jesus were truly Lord and King in my thought life? If I were to be completely submitted to Christ in my thoughts, which then would mean those thoughts um, and those things that we believe, and this is often true, guys, that the things that we believe, things that we think about something, are almost more important than what we do or say about them because they shape. The things that I believe and I think shape the way that I speak about something and form the, the things that I actually end up doing about something. And we talked a lot about that. What would that look like if, if the kingdom of God would truly come in our thought life? We read from Philippians and we said there are two key things that we can do to guard our hearts, to guard our minds. We spoke about 
bringing everything to God in prayer, bringing our thoughts to God in prayer. And we spoke about um, resisting what's not of God. We spoke about not only resisting, but replacing that with what is of God. And we, look at, we looked at that list of things that Paul writes and he says, think about these things, what is godly, what is of good report, what is a building. Go and read that list again. And such an encouragement said, don't only resist, but replace Focus on these things. Focus on what's godly. Make sure that your your thoughts are yet you meditate on what is of God, what is what is godly. That's what we looked about at last time. I want to look at a little bit more around these things, and I wanted to go into depth on one or two of them as well. I want to read from Second Corinthians, um, from chapter ten. Verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The first battle for the kingdom of God coming in our lives happens in our thoughts, in our minds. It's often called the battlefield of the mind. It's called the battle of the mind. And that's what I want to chat a little bit about today. Rick Warren, he warns us, he says, you know, you know that saying we often hear, don't believe everything that you hear. These days, it's often we often say, don't believe everything that you read online. And Rick Warren warns us, says, don't believe everything you think. I think that's such a profound, such a simple statement, but such a profound statement. Don't believe everything you think. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And actually the scripture says otherwise. The scripture says the opposite. Scripture says that often what we believe, what we think, the, the suggestions that the world throws at us, the, the thoughts and the, the suggestions that come at us from all directions are often not of God. And then we have Satan throwing thoughts in there as well. We've got Satan throwing suggestions into, into our thoughts, trying to um, influence our thinking. But those things are not of God. And then, of, of course, there's our, our own flesh, our own sinful flesh. We spoke about that, that mental illness that we all have, which is called sin. And because of that, our own sinful fleshly thoughts are also something that we should, we should be watching out for. In fact, if you look at Scripture and what the Scripture says about our thoughts and about our minds, it's quite scary. So I'm going to just read it. I'm just going to quickly run through a bunch of Scriptures and what the Bible says. But I'm just going to quote them and what the Bible says about what's going on in our minds. Uh, scripture says, our minds are confused often. In Deuteronomy 28, it talks about our minds being anxious or closed Job chapter 17, being evil and restless, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, being rash or deluded in Leviticus 5 and Isaiah 32. The Bible also talks about a troubled mind. The Bible talks about a depraved mind, a sinful mind in Romans chapter 8, a dull mind in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, a blinded mind in 2 Corinthians 4, and a corrupt mind in 2 Timothy 3. The reality, guys, is that our minds are broken by sin. Because of our sinful nature, 
we start off with the with the sinful space. We start off from a place of, of sin. And uh, in fact, Jeremiah says it so well. This is a well-known one. It says, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So the bad news today is that, that in our sinful state, we have a problem in our hearts and minds. And we need to understand that the kingdom of God needs to come there in a, in, a, in a very serious way. Can you see, for just by looking at these couple of scriptures, can you see how essential it truly is for us to be aware, firstly, of what's going on in my heart, what's going on in my thought life, and secondly, to be proactively pursuing the kingdom in my thoughts, saying, Lord, I want, I want to be godly in my, in my thinking, I want to be holy in my, in my thoughts, and I want to be meditating and thinking around things that are of you. How, you know, how essential it is for us to be proactive in this. In fact, if we look at the scripture we just read, there's a war going on in our thoughts. And I want to encourage us, guys. There's a, I believe that this is one of the biggest challenges that we face as believers. Is Are we able to wage the battle of the mind? Are we equipped are we empowered by the Spirit? Are we equipped in the Word to be able to wage this battle that's, that's raging in our thought life in a way that will bring glory to God? As mentioned before, in a way that will shape what I say and what I do to the glory of God. What is my obedience? I just heard this again the other day. This, that obedience to God is one of the highest forms of worship. What is my obedience to God look like in my thought life. In 2 Corinthians, we just read that we have the power to take to tear down strongholds. We have authority to tear down those strongholds in our, in our minds and to take thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very practical thing. This is something that I find I need to do completely almost without ceasing the whole time. I have to process, I have to think about what am I thinking, what's this thing that I, that's on my heart, what's this thing that's on my mind, and is it of God? And I need to be consistently taking thoughts captive that are not of God, tearing down strongholds that I recognize in my heart and mind that are not of God. How does this happen? For me, uh, when I read Scripture, it happens a lot. <laughs> I read something and I find it offends me, or it challenges me, or it scares me. And then a friend of mine always used to say, if I, if I find I disagree with God, I have to repent. Because, you, you know, you can't have that. And then he says, and then I keep on repenting until I agree, agree with God, and then I'm right, you know. But if, I find, if you find something in Scripture that offends you, or that, that scares you, or that, that you recognize, wow, my, my, there's, there's something that stirs in me, when I read this, then, then there's some probably something there that you and I need to deal with and need to wrestle through with God. And there's a lot of repentance that happens when we deal with thoughts. And, and you know what? That's, the repentance about what's going on in our thought life is just as important in terms of what's going on in our, you know, what we do and say. And again, the scripture says there's times of repentance that, uh, after times of repentance, there's times of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. 
If we look at the, the armor of Christ, there's such a powerful picture the scripture paints about us putting on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the 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 word, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the belt of truth, the, the shoes which are the sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace. But the one that I want to mention today is the one where it says the shield of faith. And it says that when the enemy sends the fiery darts, like if you can, you know, for a moment imagine the, the days of the bow and arrow warfare where the enemy would shoot arrows with, that, were, that were lit and were burning, would shoot burning arrows at the enemy. That's exactly what the enemy does. The, they sh- the enemy shoots burning arrows of suggestions and thoughts that he wants to plant in our minds. So imagine those burning arrows, those fiery darts coming at us. And then the scripture says, lift up the shield of faith to quench those fiery darts from the enemy. This is a very practical thing. And I've found that we, when there's a destructive pattern in my life, a destructive habit in my life, or a behavioral pattern that I want to change, this is the place I need to change it. That first thought that enters in, that causes me to go down that path, that neural, that follows that neural pathway that's been established in my mind. I need to lift up my shield of faith in that moment. I have to quench that fiery dart right there and say, this is not of God. I need to quench, take that thought captive right there to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And then as, as uh, we, read, we read last time, not only to resist that thought and take it captive, but to replace it. To say, you know what, I'm going to choose now to replace this with what is the truth. Let's just take a quick example. If I keep on listening to and believing suggestions that I am useless or that I'm worthless or Something like, I will never find the right spouse, or something like that. If, if you're battling with thoughts like that, know that those thoughts are not of God. But if you continue to allow them into your mind, if you continue to dwell on them, if you and I continue to dwell on thoughts that are destructive and that cause destructive behavioral patterns, those neural pathways are firmly being established in our minds. And it's so difficult, it's, it's almost like an addiction, so difficult to change those neural pathways, but it is possible. And that is exactly what the scripture says in Romans 12, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's a physical, a physiological renewal that happens when we change those neural pathways, when we take those thoughts captive as they come in, as they want to start that process again, we take them captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and we say, no, this is not going any further. I choose to worship now. I choose to think on what is godly. I, I choose to change my thoughts to something that is of God, something that is the truth. For instance, if I've been believing that I'm worthless or that, I'm, that I'm, God doesn't care about me, or that His promises are maybe for other believers but are not about me. Those are lies. And if I believe something like that, I need to take that thought captive and say, you know what, I confess the truth of Scripture over my life. Guys, can you see how important it is for us to know the truth of Scripture, to be able to replace that lie with the truth of Scripture, to be able to replace that deception with what is truly God's 
word for my life and for this specific situation. I want to encourage you that if you are facing dark situations right now, if you are facing heavy situations right now, it is even more important for you to lift up the shield of faith boldly. As we were praying for this message, I felt that there's so many of us that are struggling with shame and guilt around what's going on in our thoughts to such an extent that we, we, we struggle to share that with other people, that we are ashamed of the strongholds and the patterns in our minds, that we are ashamed of depressive thoughts that we all spells of depression, that we are ashamed when we are wrestling with things like that. But I want to say to you that God knows the deepest thoughts of your heart. He knows the condition of your mind and heart, and He loves you just the same. But He loves you so much that He doesn't want you to stay in that place of darkness and heaviness. I want to encourage you, if you are right now in a place where you feel unable to lift that shield of faith. That is the time when we need to lift it for one another. That is the time when you, when you need to reach out to somebody that can pray with you, somebody that can encourage you, maybe a counselor that can help you to navigate this difficult path. I want to encourage you that there's no condemnation in Christ. He's already prepared deliverance. He's already prepared freedom for us. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to deliver us from this mental illness called sin and any other that could, that could plague us or bother us. His blood is sufficient. His, his sacrifice is sufficient. I want to encourage you at the end of these, I mean, just below the, the video in the description, there will be a link there. Please, if you need, if you don't have somebody to pray with, or if you just want to, yo, if you just want to connect with us or if you want to pray with us, if you need somebody to, to help you navigate this kind of thing, click on that link and have, send us your details. We'd love to connect with you in a way that would be helpful to you. I want to share a word of caution, but also a word of encouragement to us. You know, many of us feel that our apple cart of life has been completely thrown over. You always feel like somebody is just tipped over the whole shebang and it's just chaos. And I want to encourage you that, you know, although there's, there's, there might be reasons for you to get, you know, stressed or to be anxious or to be concerned or to feel like there's no more, there's, there's, there's no more normal. I want to, I want to encourage us that this is the absolute perfect opportunity and I believe there's grace for us and I believe many of us need to grab this opportunity to recognize how we have gotten stuck in lifestyles, stuck in thought patterns, stuck in places of comfort, stuck in places of passivity and apathy around the things of the kingdom of God, stuck in like as Pastor Phil was, Philip was sharing Stuck in a place where we have lost the heavenly vision. And I believe this is such an incredible opportunity. This, if your apple cart is being turned upside down, now is the time. Even if it hasn't, 
take this time to say, Lord, where have I got stuck in something, a rut that is not of you, in a way of thinking, or have I gotten stuck in a, doing something that seems good, but it's not of you? Doing something that seems godly, or maybe it's completely ungodly, but or it's maybe something that it seems good, but it's not God's perfect will for your life. I've been challenged to wrestle with God about the things that I spend my time around, the direction that I'm going in with my family. I'll be pursuing the heavenly vision. And I want to encourage you that if your apple cart is turned upside down, as, as it were, to, to remind yourself of what does the Bible say? What does Scripture say of what a normal life of a believer looks like? I want to read a bunch of quick Scripture reference again. I just want to mention the challenging things that the, the Scripture says about what is normal for us when we follow Jesus. Um, <clears throat> this is what a normal life of a believer looks like. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, Hebrews 10, counted all joy when you meet trials of various kinds in James chapter, chapter 1. When others revile you and persecute you, rejoice and be glad, Matthew chapter 5. In his joy he goes and sells all that he has, Matthew 13. They rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus, Acts chapter 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, Romans 5. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity, 2 Corinthians. We are glad when we are weak and you are strong, 2 Corinthians 13. Even if I am, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of, of of your faith, I'm glad, Philippians 2. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, Colossians 1. I receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, First Thessalonians. For the joy that was set before me, before him, Jesus, he endured the cross, Hebrews 12. I, you rejoice, though now for a little while you have been grieved, that's in First Peter 1. And rejoice in so far as, as you share Christ's sufferings. In 1 Peter 4, boiling it down, when we observe and understand God's word, we see as very prominent joy in trial, joy in grief, joy in affliction, joy in being poured out, joy in weakness, joy in poverty, joy in shame, joy in selling all, Joy in persecution, joy in being plundered, joy in the cross, joy in sharing Christ's sufferings. Guys, this is not a popular gospel, but that is what the Bible talks about as normal for us as believers. And I believe that's one of the things we need to remind ourselves when our apple cart is being turned over to think, am I just upset because I'm not comfortable? Or am I am I Am I really wrestling with something that I need to wrestle with with God? And if I'm being if I'm being pushed from every side, hard pressed from every side, as the scripture says, that's great. Wrestle with God about it. Make sure that you are hard pressed because of, for the sake of Christ. Make sure that you are pursuing the heavenly vision, that you're pursuing his kingdom coming, not only in your thought life, but in word and in deed. 
and take heart in this, that Jesus has overcome the world. He has prepared joy for us in every one of these situations, even in that place of darkness, even in that place of wrestling with mental illness or wrestling with depressive thoughts or wrestling with our past, wrestling with those fiery darts of the enemy. He has prepared joy for us. So I want to encourage you, if you're wrestling with things, that there's an undertone of anger or there's an undertone of anxiety or there's a, there's a constant fear, bring that to Him. He wants to empower you with grace, empower you with joy, so that even in the midst of that battle, you're able to remain at peace. Amen. That's what He promises for us, is peace. I want to read a quick quote from John Piper. Uh, he says, so why does the promise, prominence of serious joy, it's a kind of joy that he speaks about that is pervasive and very strange, the joy of a Christian life. He says, why is, does the prominence of serious joy in a Christian life lead to conflict with the culture? He says, it's because serious joy sets the soul free from dependence on cultural kudos and cultural conformity. In other words, when your joy comes from God through Christ and is absolutely unshakable through grief and affliction and weakness and poverty and shame and persecution and loss, the culture loses its power to control you. If you take a stand the culture hates and speak a word the culture condemns and they shame you and persecute you and plunder you, but your serious joy remains, they've lost their power to control where you stand and what you say. I want to say to us as believers that we need to contend for their joy so that we are able to stand in a place where we are not being controlled by our culture or by our society, that, that we are pursuing the kingdom of God, coming in power in our own hearts and minds, but also in our lives, in our nation in our communities. He has gone before us and He has given us that joy that is that the world does not understand. I want to encourage you to pursue that joy and to know that He has made provision for that in your life. In closing, fight for that battle. Fight that battle in the mind. Fight for that kingdom, for the kingdom of God. Contend for the kingdom of God to come in your heart and in your mind, in your thoughts. He has made provision for that. Tear down strongholds. Take thoughts captive. Renew. Make sure that your mind is renewed. That you are not. That we are not conformed to the image of this world. That we are not conformed to what the world does. But that we are renewed. Our minds are renewed. He has made provision for that in the cross. He has made a way you and for me. I want to pray for us and um, let's do that. Let's take a moment to pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence right now. We thank you for your presence wherever anybody is listening to your word today. Thank you for your presence with them right now. Thank you, Lord, that as your word says that as we bring our Everything to you, Lord, in, in thanksgiving that we can know that, that the peace of God 
will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that is what I pray over every heart right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak your peace over every heart and over every mind. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for those moments of clarity, Lord. In, in, even in the midst of the storm, that there will be that peace that enters in, which, is, which we cannot understand, but which is from you, Lord. And which enables us again to look to you, Lord, to hope in you, Lord, to trust in you, Lord. I pray for every heart that is feeling isolated in the name of Jesus. Thank you for boldness to reach out to somebody. Thank you for boldness to call on your name, to call on the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you are still our healer, Lord. You are still our savior. You are still the one that intercedes for us night and day, Lord. And even as we call on your name in the midst of a storm, in the midst of heaviness or depression or darkness or whatever storm we find ourselves in, as we call on your name, thank you, Lord, that you answer us in our time of peril, in our time of despair, in Jesus' name. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have made provision through the blood of your Son, not only for our sin, in what we do and say, but also in our for our minds, Lord, in our for our minds to be healthy and for our thoughts to be godly. That you have made provision, Lord, for us to have joy in the midst of any storm we may face. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would renew that joy, the joy of our salvation, the joy that you have paid for on the cross. Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that your kingdom will come in our hearts and minds, in our words and our deeds, to the glory of your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please click on that link if you've prayed with us today, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've prayed for the first time in a long time. If you just need somebody to pray with you, or, or you need a, a, a Christian fellowship of some kind, or a faith family of some kind, please click on the link. We'd love to connect with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.